Welcome into Hitting Hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I am John Chuckery, and a few things to cover from over the weekend. Expectations for Drake London this year. It was a really good weekend for the Atlanta Braves. We'll recap that. And don't sleep on how many first-rounders Georgia may have in next year's NFL draft. It's all coming up today on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into a Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. We are asking you, of course, to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser and search us and find us and subscribe. We are headed toward a thousand subscribers. So we really appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. Give us a feedback, good, bad, or otherwise on uh, what we talk about here. And of course, you can always follow me on my Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. All right. Seen a lot of things on the podcast for Locked On Sports Atlanta. Falcons podcast, reading about this and any other, about the expectations of Drake London. Now, on one of the betting services, Drake London is the favorite to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's all fine in, in, in this and the other, but I caution people to be careful how they evaluate Drake London in this first year. Let, let's talk about a, a few things. First off is the quarterback. So Matt Ryan, the last four years, has averaged, averaged 600 pass attempts a year over the last four years, okay? Marcus Mariota's best year ever throwing the football is 453. So you're talking about 150 less attempts between the average of the last few years of the quarterback we had and the best, highest, tippy-top, top of the iceberg number that this year's quarterback is going to have. So you don't have a quarterback that is a huck it around, throw it all over the yard kind of guy. Now, the other part of this is there are still lots of issues that go on with the Falcons and their offense, mainly blocking up front. For Drake London to make an impact in a game, what, about five things have to happen? You have to get a good snap, right? Your offensive line has to be able to block. Your quarterback has to be able to read the play and move around and find him open. Then your quarterback has to make at least an semi to accurate throw in his general area. And then the wide receiver goes and catches the pass. And now we have a play, right? So all of these little dominoes have to fall before all of that happens and Drake London can make an impact on a football field. And this is not a knock against Drake London and what he can or cannot be. It's just that when you're asking this wide receiver, because again, people are going to look at Drake London being selected eighth and say, well, he's got to be a thousand yards in this and the other. Okay. Kyle Pitts was a thousand yards and just the one touchdown. Did he have a good year? Yes. Did he have a really impactful year? Certainly not in the Jamar Chase type of realm as far as impact goes. 
if you told me Drake London was a thousand yards and one touchdown, would I consider that to be a successful season? No, no. I'd rather have Drake London be 750 yards and half a dozen touchdowns than I would for him to put up a lot of bad stats, you know, empty stats for a team that doesn't win a whole lot of games. You know, that that's the thing you have to be cautious about with wide receivers is it's not so much that they don't play as well or this, any other. what kind of impact are they going to have on the game? And listen, I've said before, and I have talked to Arthur Smith. I've interviewed Arthur Smith a few different times. I would love to know really what our offensive philosophy is, because again, Arthur Smith comes from a franchise in the Tennessee Titans that was a very heavy run first offense, right? You had a great offensive line, a lot of studs up front, and you had the best running back in the NFL. Now, we don't have either of those. We're running back by committee, multiple heads, offensive line gets gashed through the middle. Your right tackle's not very good. So there's a lot that has to be figured out. But I think we all agree that, especially with a guy like Marcus Mariota, you'd much rather have a little bit more balanced type of attack. You know, whereas we're 600 passes to less than 400 runs, you know, you'd like to see those two numbers start to start to come together a little bit more. And obviously, if you're throwing it less than they have been and you're running it more, that's less opportunity. Doesn't mean that Drake London can't have some impact. Doesn't mean that he can't do some good things to help this team win. And we'll probably talk tomorrow about some of Arthur Smith's comments to Peter King and Monday Morning Quarterback about winning and this, that, and the other. Because if you're hoping for tanking, that's not going to happen. But I have seen people speculate that, you know, London could be the offensive rookie of the year, this, that, and the other. Don't know if he comes into a situation that lends itself to that. You know, I don't I don't know if you start to look at some of the rookie receivers and pass catchers that are going to Pat Mahomes or going to Matt Ryan or this, that, and the other, that they're going to be in a situation here in Atlanta to have a massive impact on the game. And, and I think that with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, don't be surprised if Cal Pitts is probably your leader in targets, if they don't throw to the running backs a lot more. You know, that's certainly something that I've wanted to see out of this offense over the last few years is getting running backs more into the passing game. Well, obviously, Patterson is that running back slash hybrid. Um, you know, you don't have Mike Davis anymore, who was a good pass catching running back. But if you throw it to Allison or you throw it to the Algier, the kid that they just drafted out of BYU or this, any other, get them in the mix. But I think that you're going to be probably surprised at Drake London. And I, and I don't say this in a bad way, surprised at maybe his number of targets and things like that. Drake London's got to learn the position. He's got to learn to get open. Look, when Drake London lines up right now, he most likely has the other team's number one corner on him, which, yeah, that's trial by fire, right? but not going to make it easy for your wide receiver to start to get in the mix. And if you think about, look, Kyle Pitts was slow to get into the mix. We saw early in the year when it wasn't so many targets or he wasn't even on the field in some red zone situations that you kind of scratch your head like, wait a second, he's the fourth overall pick. Shouldn't he be out there? Yeah, but sometimes guys don't work themselves in. I'll tell you what will be different than what we've probably seen in the past is I fully expect Drake London to get a heavy workload in the preseason. I, I, I do think that we will see a good bit of Kyle Pitts and we'll see a good bit of Drake London. 
because you're going to need more than just training camp and some practices, and especially the way the NFL practices where they barely get together for any practice. You're going to need more than those little events. Typically, when you've seen top flight wide receivers, this and the other, they kind of get slow worked in. And if you have a veteran quarterback, you don't worry too much about it. But I think this year, and we've already heard from Arthur Smith, that the preseason will be different this year. Pitts only played, what did he play, four snaps in the preseason? Don't be surprised if he doesn't play more. And I fully expect Drake London to play more in the preseason. But don't get hung up on the raw numbers. Don't let the raw numbers fool you into believing about what Drake London can or what his impact is or this and the other. I think the situation just dictates that there may be some slowness out of the gate and just the idea of what our offensive philosophy is going to be. All right, when we come back, really good weekend for the Braves. Um, Ronnie's ready. That's all I'll tell you. Ronnie's ready. Let's talk some Braves when we get back. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Please head over to YouTube.com. Search us in the browser bar, Locked On Sports Atlanta. You will find us there very easily. Hit that subscribe button. Tell us what you think about the show. Leave us a review. Leave us some commentary about what we are talking about here. And as always, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. Thanks so much to everybody jumping on board at JMCH316. Really good weekend for the Atlanta Braves. We came in last week talking about, okay, this 11-game stretch. Talked about this 11-game stretch. Three with Milwaukee, two with Boston, three with San Diego, then three at Milwaukee. Eight-game homestand, then three at Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the division leader, best record in the National League coming in. San Diego is one of the best teams in the National League. Uh, Braves split with them when they were out in San Diego. Boston, not so good. Boston right now sitting in, in last place. This was an important series to get started at home and get back on track for a team that had only won one series this coming year. Braves did a great job. Monday or Friday night, excuse me, did not get off to an auspicious start as the Braves really gave up one bad inning and took it on the chin. But I thought the bounce back over the weekend where he had two really good pitching performances, Max Freed outpitched Corbin Burns. You know, that's an ace versus ace kind of matchup. And then more importantly is, Charlie Morton yesterday got it done. Didn't feel like he labored as much. He had some swing and miss stuff. That's been my only knock on getting Charlie back. And I know he's had his struggles, but I've said, I'm going to give Charlie through, you know, the rest of this month and into June because coming back from injury, he is a little bit older. We didn't get an extended spring training. You know, we got a real shortened edition of spring training. I think lend itself all to, Charlie kind of getting out of the gate slow. And I saw an article that said that he was questioning about whether or not he had it. And the swing and miss stuff, you know, that's getting your arm back up to speed. That's getting your confidence up. That's getting, you know, in a rhythm and things like that. I think you saw more of that yesterday. But most importantly, what we saw over the weekend was Ronald Acuna Jr. playing all three games. And I wondered about whether or not the Braves would – you know, night game on Friday, still a night game on Saturday, afternoon game yesterday. What would they do? Would they hold him out one of those games? We heard, you know, he can't at bat if he doesn't start and this, that, and the other. Well, he played twice in right field and he DH'd yesterday. And what I can tell you is Ronnie's back. You know, it. Uh, now, look, the raw numbers don't overwhelm you right now. Two homers, five RBI, 278 with a 366 on base, 500 slugging, 866 OPS, and he scored 
three runs. It's just different with him in it. Hitting a home run and falling to one knee and he blasts it out of center field. You know, Saturday whacking it over the the, the left field. Fa- I mean, there's something different about having Ronnie. And I understand the medicals and we got to watch this and we can't put. Okay, I get it. But you're seeing, I mean, if they're that worried about Ronnie, why has he got four stolen bases on the air? <laughs> Why has why he, he got four stolen bases? He scored from first on a bloop double yesterday. And remember, he beat out a rundown. So if you can push him to steal, score from first, this, that, okay, he's ready. He's ready. And it's early May. I understand. They all, you know, first off, if he wasn't ready, you shouldn't have brought him up when you did. He was only supposed to start playing three days ago. As, as we sit here talking about this, it was supposed to be three days ago when they brought him up. May 6th was supposed to be his bring it. Oh, they pushed that up. And then it was, well, he's only going to play this and the other beat. Bada, boop, bada, bop. Okay, now he's play. now he just played three straight. Braves get a day off today before they start a two-game set against the Boston Red Sox. It's time for Ronnie to play every day. You want to give him a day as a DH mixed into playing right field? No problem. I'm good with all that. But his bat has to be in this lineup every single day. And you look at some of the Braves' offensive struggles. We know how bad Rosario was. Duvall's still only hitting a buck 92. Ozuna's only hitting 214. Austin Riley's only hitting 243. Dansby's 242. Ozzy's 231. Olsen's down to 264. Still a good on base, but still only a 264, 379 on base. You know, it's been Demerit and Ronnie and some of these guys, even some of their guys off the bench. I'll tell you the other guy, too, by the way. The other thing that I learned is. William Contreras should be the backup catcher. I know he can't field this, that, and the other. Can I tell you, I'm not comparing. So listen to what I'm saying, folks. I'm not saying he's this guy. But Mike Piazza was so bad as a catcher that you couldn't leave him, you couldn't keep him out of a game, right, if he could play. Now, again, Piazza may be the best hitting catcher in the history of the entire sport, but his defense was awful. He was awful defensively. Wasn't good at calling games. Wasn't good at throwing runners out. Didn't have any range behind the plate. Couldn't handle, but wasn't a good catcher. No, Pick any metric that you want. And he was awful at it. But he was too good of a bat to leave out of the lineup. And that's sort of where Contreras is right now. You know, another homer yesterday. What, he driving four runs yesterday? When he hits, he's very productive. And while I understand he's got his defensive deficiencies, man, you can't help kind of fix him. Like we can't find a way to to bring in, if Ron Washington is the infield guru defensively, who's the catching? Get Go hire Carlton Fisk. Go hire Benito Santiago. How about that? Go hire Benito Santiago and bring him into the organization and spend every day of his life. Pay pay Bonito Santiago a million bucks. Okay, all that money they made in the battery and this, that, and the other. Okay, pay pay Bonito Santiago a million bucks to come in here and teach Contreras how to catch. I don't care. That, whatever you got to do. But I think it makes sense for him to be the backup catcher and play on a regular basis with all due respect to Manny Pena. Okay? I'd rather have Tony Pena 
right now who's 65 years old. I'd rather have him than Manny Pena, okay? My point is fix Contreras. Fix his defense. You can fix a catcher in his defense and let him learn. He's too good of a hitter to send back down in the minors and not be part of your ball club. So thought it was a good weekend all the way around. You know, Friday was what it was. You know, you started Jesse Chavez. Oh, that's the other takeaway. Let's let, can we get Strider a start? Stretch him out, give him a start. Let him start in the beginning of a game and let's go and see if he can get me to four or five innings. You want to start him, push him to four, pull him, fine. Next start, push him to five, pull him, fine. Next start, push him to six, then fine. I'm good with all that. But Strider's got too much electric stuff to not at least get a shot. Hell, they've thrown every other vagabond in the world out there. I mean, they've taken every other minor league prospect that they could you know, pillage from one of their farm teams and put them on the Partridge family bus powered by natural gas to get them back and forth from Buford over to Smyrna. Give Strider a start. I like to see him. Now, the sixth starter and all that kind of stuff, you know, probably don't need as much of that right now. You got a day off today, so you're getting some time off here, there, or the other. But next time you got one of those openings like that, and, and Snicker has also kind of tweaked the staff where he, remember, he saved Max Freed for the Mets series, and you kind of didn't pitch Kyle Wright, um, you know, um, you know, then you kind of held him back, you know, him and Ian Anderson for this, that, and the other. Oh, okay, let, let Strider get a start. Let him have a start for all of it. So anyway, good weekend. They kept pace with the Mets who, you know, I don't know, they played, they didn't play, they rained, this, that, and the other. They took two out of three from Philadelphia. You're still six back with a day off. You got the Red Sox. Red Sox stink, 10 and 19. You got to beat them. Give Strider a start, play Ronnie every day, and let's fix Contreras and make him the backup catcher. And by the way, Morton, really good outing. Maybe this is the sign that he's back. All good news in Braves country. All right, when we get back, Everybody talked about this draft with UGA. Don't sleep on what next year could be as well. We'll talk about that next. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Reminding you, head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser. Find us. Subscribe. Give us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. And, of course, at JMCH316 is my personal Twitter page. Obviously, it was a monumental draft for the University of Georgia and the Bulldog program. Five defensive players taken, most first-rounders, most players on one side of the football, you know, drafted, 15 total picks, all this, that, and the other. What a great season, right? And you say to yourself, man, you know, what, what, a, what an unbelievable year. How do you run it all back? But I want to just – I'm going to give you a whole bunch of names. Don't sleep on how good next year's draft and even going into 2024 could be. You look at every sort of mock draft, top 100 board, this, that, and the other. Right now, Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith, and Jalen Carter are pretty much top 15 picks on everybody's board. I've seen all three of those guys in the top 10. I've seen Smith as low as like 15. I've seen Keely Ringo as low as about 12 to 15, but you've got three more guys that are first rounders. And then you have guys that are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to work their way into not just into the draft, but increase their draft stock. 
from Chris Smith to Arik Gilbert, Broderick Jones, um, Cedric Van Pran, Robert Beale Jr., Darnell Washington, Kendall Milton, Jermaine Burton, Tate Ratledge, MJ Sherman. Now think about the list of all of those guys. Now I'm not saying they're all going to get drafted and they're all going to be first round in, in this and the other, but you're already starting with probably three. Let's even dumb down the expectations a little bit. Okay. You're starting with three guys that are probably top 20 picks from the very jump. And, and, and we've ta just talked about five guys getting drafted in the first round for you, Jay, one accomplishment. You already have three guys that are being looked at as, as first rounders. And, and that's after you lost all of those other guys. And not to mention, go a couple of years in the future when Brock Bowers and, you know, Mims and some of these guys, you know, there's potential for those guys to be first rounders as well. But it's very possible that while Georgia may not replicate what they did this past year and the historic draft that it was, and that's what it was. It was historic. He had all these guys taken, and obviously the defensive side of the football, just an unbelievably special group about it. But I just gave you, you know, three guys that are defensive players that are already top 20 looking at picks. And don't think for a second that, and especially if some of these guys end up having big rookie years and, and this and that, don't think when you see UGA's pro day next year, you already see Belichick and this guy and Tomlin and this guy. It's going to be loaded. It's going to be overloaded. I, 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 I would be amazed if there's not every single either head coach and or GM at UGA's pro day next year after what they did. And so you start projecting into the future as crazy it is to think Georgia may in the first round almost replicate what they did this year. Yeah, you're only talking about you need to find two. Look, Arie Gilbert, for all his issues of this, that, and the other, is 247's highest rated tight end prospect in the history of their rankings. In the history of their rankings. If he can come back and be a focal point of the offense and a feature player, who knows? I mean, he's got first round capability all over him. Chris Smith could have first round capability all over him. There are so many guys when you start to project, think about all the good running backs that are coming into the NFL next year. And then you take, you know, Kendall Milton, some of these guys. I'm, I'm just saying that don't think that Georgia had this kind of once in a lifetime. This is great. Let's celebrate all the draft picks and first rounders. And then we'll just kind of move about our business. No, they're they're going to be loaded for bear in next year's draft and then even projecting out to 2024. I mean, Brock Bowers, hell, if he could come out today, if he could come out next in 2023's draft, would probably be a first-round talent. That's how good this kid is. And again, Mims and all these guys, Mims, you know, considered to be, uh, you know, one of the, the best offensive line prospects in the country. You know, he flirted with leaving Georgia, went to Florida State to – meet with those guys and came back and all this and the other Georgia loaded up on the offensive line in. So it may not be five defensive players in this, and the other, but you've got three guys right now that are sitting there in the top tier Ringo. I've seen Ringo in mocks already as a top 10 pick. I've seen Nolan Smith 
mocked as a top 10 pick. I've seen Jalen Carter mocked as a top five or six pick in the NFL. And that's, that's the influence. And that's what you try to build. You want to be Alabama. You want to be Clemson. Cool. Historic draft. Can't believe it. Then you turn around the next year and it's like, Whoa, wait a second. I didn't see all that coming. I didn't realize that they had that many guys that were still on that roster that were so talented. Yeah, they do. They do. And that's why Georgia is not going to be projected less worst case scenario. Worst case scenario for Georgia is Alabama and Ohio state are one, two. If you want to mix and mash those, I don't really care. Bama's going to be number one because they have two of the three best college football players coming back. Heisman trophy quarterback, best defensive player, top three or four defensive player in the country that's going to get picked in the NFL draft. No doubt about it. Ohio State's going to be number one or two in your in your polls because they have the best collection, collection excuse me, of offensive personnel in the country. Henderson at running back. Smith and Jigblood wide receiver. Their wide receiver room is their wide receiver room is better this year than it was with Garrett Wilson and, and Olave. It's better. Those guys even said it. Wilson and Olave even said these guys are better than us. And Stroud, maybe the Heisman loaded but right behind them is the university of georgia and and they're going to be right there sitting in a prime position they're most likely going to run through the east i don't really think that that they're going to get beat by anybody in the east yeah florida may be better they have a potential high draft pick nfl quarterback which i'm still wrapping my arms around i don't know how anthony richardson is all of a sudden now this top five eight quarterback drafted yeah, the kid out of Kentucky, Levis is, you know, now all of a sudden he's projected to be top 5, 10. Okay, I got to see that to believe all that. I think Kentucky's pretty good. They may be the second best team. You know, they've got their quarterback. They've got maybe the best running back in the conference and in Rodriguez or at least one of them, this, that, and the other. Okay, but don't sleep on how good Georgia's draft is going to be again next year. Start looking at the mocks. Start looking at everybody's top 100. I think you're going to be amazed to see how many Georgia Bulldogs are already being talked about in that. We'll see. Should be another great draft for Kirby and uh, and the Bulldogs. All right, we appreciate everybody being a part of the show today. Thanks for listening in. And I want you to head over to YouTube and check out uh, our page there, Locked On Sports Atlanta. We thank you for making us your first listen. Don't forget, make your second listen, ATL Day Ones. My friends Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste speaking to the heart of the city of Atlanta, talking Bulldogs, Falcons, Hawks, Braves, you take your pick of everything out there. Just a couple of folks having a good conversation. Stay a while. Be a part of all of that. ATL Day Ones is part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Free and available where you check out all of your podcasts. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.